December 25, 2020. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
This is your captain speaking. <laughs> all right, people. Happy 25 Friday. Merry Xmas Day. It's all deja vu all over again. You don't know because it's the first time you're hearing this. But uh, we start off with John Coltrane doing Peace on Earth. The one most people know is the Live in Japan one. But this is a... And later on, it got orchestration and Alice put on some harp. She don't have her... She's got piano solos here, though. Uh, I got an interview with her where she was amazed when John Coltrane asked her to join the band. Anyway, to the point today, uh, Brother Matt at the Love Grotto. Merry Xmas to him. Pleasure point. Quit quarantino mode, but I'm not man alone because of those uh, Estonian software engineers with their righteous Skype invention. I got Mr. Rick Weaver and Zach Coons with me. And Zach, are you still in Cosby, Tennessee? No, I'm actually in Columbus, Ohio. I just moved. Uh, okay, okay. Moved. A little update there. Now let's ask Mr. Rick Weaver. Are you still in San Antonio, Texas? Yes, sir. Down in San Antonio here. Okay, so some things stay a little bit stable. Yep, yep, definitely. More and more so these days down here. Okay, okay. And yeah, I got some friends who just moved there from Houston and stuff. And I used to play a place there all the time called uh, Taco Land. Yeah, yeah. Terrible story. The boss got killed. In fact, I wouldn't even play the town again until uh, Jeff Smith, uh, Sauce Tex record, a good cat. He uh, sings for a band of uh, Hickoids and uh, Gabe Sportscasters. And uh, he brought us back there and brought me to play again with my missing man. And, but anyway, for today, I'm, gl- I got, I'm glad I got both you guys, even though you're in both uh, different towns and I'm here in Pedro. We're doing a three-way to celebrate this joint venture you guys put together. It was called the Introduction to the Transmogrification Mr. Claus, and we're going to play the whole piece, but I thought I'd let you guys uh, prepare the listeners with some insights from each of you since you both came together to put this together. Rick, you want to start it out? <laughs> uh, holy moly, I mean, the content's yours, so uh, uh, yeah, why not? I'll start. Uh, uh, yeah, Zach uh, sent me this little Christmas story that i uh, always been a fan of his words, and this one really hit home. Uh um, I tried to embrace the uh, spirit of merriment and uh, giddy, absurd, jolly, fun every day. So, uh, and that is not at all what this writing is, I guess. Um, it, it's deceptively so. There's moments that I, I thought I'd laugh and then uh, moments that I thought I'd cry. So I was glad to get this in my hands and... I tried to just uh, throw some music in the backdrop there. Um, trying to think, I guess. Um, so, I mean, student- we're, we're, we're doing a little spiel here where it starts with you, Rick. But actually, the whole adventure started with Zach's story. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking the ball when I really should be passing it over to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked you to start. So, that we get the piano wire and lynch him by the balls with it uh, uh, figuratively figured no 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 but, but that's interesting because i was going to ask that what was the genesis so it was a story zach you want to without giving anything away right because we're going to do the whole give the people the peace just something to fucking fortify them with prepare them for sure well i guess uh it's it's hard to talk about it without talking about the story for me but i mean but it it I guess one thing I would one thing I would mention is how uh, eerily prescient it, it actually became. About three months after we released, we released it on the first day of uh, January of 2020, and then three months later, uh, an actual 
really big part of the story came uh, sort of came full circle, and uh, we both realized it was <laughs> we caught on to some really unholy zeitgeist. I would say with with this one, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, a re- it's somebody uh, somebody wrote about it as uh, as like a, a hero's journey through the underworld <laughs> uh, in, in reverse somehow, or something along those lines, which I thought was pretty. Uh, Kind of tickled my funny bones. I think that you mean think, like uh, that, we're, we're talking like uh, Aeneas or, or uh, Orpheus or uh, Dante or. <laughs> well, I guess that's uh, dealer's choice. And uh, then, and then, <laughs> as far as reality goes, you guys were kind of prophetic without knowing it. Yeah, yeah, we we I think yeah I think we tapped into something that or or maybe called <laughs> hopefully not but something called something into being that uh that 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 shouldn't have been you know art art has a art art is a kind of curse you know and curses can be both good and bad there's 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 white curses and, and dark curses and I, maybe this is a little bit of both but no you, you're right just like with luck right people always think luck is good but no <laughs> that, that's right i guess there's three kind there's that dumb luck too <laughs> That's the that's the kind I find I have the most. <laughs> that, look, look, there was a weird coincidence with me too. The last tour I did before the sitch, you know, I was tired of getting sick, so I didn't want to shake anybody's hand. Some dudes got pissed, but I didn't get sick. Too late, uh, two <laughs> months later, the whole country does though. So, so sometimes it's weird like that. But you know what? Let's let's speak about the fucking peace after the listeners get to experience it. Okay? Then we only. Uh, that sounds work. great. Yeah, let's do that, people. Here's the trans. Magrification of Mr. Claus. This album, film, libretto, and audiobook that you're holding in your hand is an exploration of the last days of Santa Claus as we know him, charting his bumbling and heroic exploits as he simultaneously contracts and nearly spreads the plague along his expansive gift-giving route and single-handedly rids us of that particular strain of virus once and for all by virtue of his thudding, aged, tender, immutable heart. Along the way, he grows a few arms, rips Chevy Chase a new one, explains why the polar ice caps are melting, has his blood slurped up by an arctic fox, dances to calypso music while blackout drunk, gets his cabin destroyed by riderless stallions, and that's just for starters. A little milk and cookie appetizer, if you will. Along the way, you'll be entranced by a rich ensemble of familiar characters, including Mrs. Claus, Rudolph, the elves, Peanut the dog, Martin Short, a deranged murderer on the loose in Cleveland, Ohio, Wormwood and Mugwort, Harry of Harry's Bar Notoriety, Shitting Mice, Lord Invader, Lee Hazelwood, Tenement House in the 1940s Detroit, the San Antonio River, the fox in the hen house, and an anthropomorphic sun that nearly slaughters every human being on planet Earth, and many more. Joining this array of some of the biggest names in the business are Zach Coons, who wrote the script and serves as the narrator, and Rick Weaver, who composed the score, both of whom figure prominently in this wholesome little psychodrama slash feel-good family comedy for the whole family, provided that everyone in your family is over the age of 18. Thank you for inviting us into your hearts and homes as we answer that timeless question. Is that you, Santa Claus? The answer is you betcha, pal. And I'm here to save your butt and also the endanger the survival of your species. But most importantly, I will save your lives. So let's forget all about that other part. All of us here at Team Capra Productions would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and offer you a reminder that no man is a failure that has friends. Thank you.
Santa wakes up covered in mouse shit. Mice are a going concern in the North Pole, and he has the only warm home, so they burrow in through the vents, desperate to escape the endless cold. The elves live in squalor. It's always been that way, and I guess it always will be. Santa likes to eat in bed and watch a Christmas movie or three, and the crumbs from his food crumble into his wispy, frazzled white beard. The mice eat them when he's asleep, and they shit where they eat. Oh, bubonic plague, come and clean up our mess. Santa is dreaming. Santa dreams of tenement house in a 1940s Detroit. Santa dreams of automobiles endlessly driving on curveless paved roads. Choral music is playing, but it is in Latin, and Santa doesn't speak Latin. Omna correctum. Santa has learned to live with the mouse shit, with the plague, with the dreams of tenement housing, with the choral music, with the baubles and trinkets filling up landfills, with the medicated children growing sadder every year. Santa has learned to live in the ruins of a world falling down around our ears. Oh, Santa, oh, wild God, come into our cities and teach us how we can live with mouse shit in our beards and on our clothing. Watch a Christmas movie with us all. Bring us the plague and hallucinations. Make us stop speaking Latin. Fill our immense, broken, tender hearts with love for our neighbors. Santa, I may be sorrow's sickly stepchild. I may be longing and aching, but I know in my secret heart that is trembling with unspoken love that I am not beyond repair. But maybe it is so that the plague will be my salvation. Santa dancing to Calypso music in his living room, half drunk on peppermint schnapps with a crazed look in his eyes. Lord and Vader sing to us of the brown girl in a ring that looks just like the sugar on a plum, plum, plum. After the fall, what is there but Calypso and schnapps and half-remembered dreams? I dance to forget, but I have an awful habit of only remembering the good times. Then I pop on Lee Hazelwood because he has the unsurpassed ability to get the bile flowing. Santa in his red and white underwear, paunch drooping toward the inner core of the earth. Just tell me this, Santa, and I'll be quiet for once. Why does my Vallejo book smell like a hospital? Was God sick on the day I was born, too? Howl on out there, raging winds of the apocalypse. Raise up some new life form with myths not shrouded in endless murder and incest. I won't forget that bright morning 25,000 years ago when I crawled out of a freezing alpine lake in search of a cave, oxygen burning in my lungs. Scrawling on the walls of a cave, a fat man cloaked in red and white, riding a flying reindeer. The white was my frozen flesh, the red was my steaming blood, and I just bet you can guess what the brown for the reindeer was. That is how we're all called into being, somebody drawing our likeness on the walls of forgotten caves. Someone scrawled the likeness of a wolf and poof, here I was. I've just learned to walk upright in the last 50 years or so, but I still howl with pleasure and pain. Santa crumbled on the living room floor, too drunk to dance another step. Mrs. Claus helps him to bed, while Lord Invader extols the virtues of Pepsi-Cola. 
Santa huddled over a craps table at the Hollywood Casino in Columbus, Ohio. Massive stomach flopped over the side and nearly resting on the green felt of the table, obscuring some of his fellow gamblers' views. What can you say to Mr. Kringle? It's his day off. There's only one way to roll in midnight, and that's the hard way, Jack. Well, I'll tell you something I've learned. You've got to roll the dice in this wild old world. There's a new shooter, and I'll be doggone if it isn't Saint Nick himself. Just as he starts clacking those numbered bones in his hand, praying for a rainy day, we hear the shrill shriek of a slaughtered calf. You're never going to believe this, Buster. The owner of the casino has a vast agricultural concern and a really rotten sense of humor. So just try and put blood and alcohol and hope for a better life together and see what you have. North America's first and only casino slash abattoir. The butcher is kicking the chips off the blackjack table and grabbing the bull by the horns in the realest way imaginable. Open up your jowls, Ohioans, because it's time to eat. Casino to table dining, giving new meaning to the word localized. Let me freshen up your Bloody Mary, miss, and how about a viscera cocktail for you, pal? Light on the gore, huh? Everyone has left the craps table except for Santa and the dealer. All bets are off. Oh, tumble on out there, hurtling through blood-choked ether. One and one. Santa Snake Eyes. And now I say with trembling conviction, everyone's a winner when Santa comes to town. Santa taking some part-time work at Harry's bar to pass the time and get out of the house a little while. I am dumb, Harry. I overslept again. I used to sleep 300 days a year. Now if I oversleep, I know what you'll do. Last night, Santa grew three arms. If he's late to work one more time, Harry's going to paint him bronze, get an altar of human skulls to set behind him as a backdrop, a throne with arms of stuffed snapping alligators vomiting a bouquet of swamp orchids from their gaping jaws, and he'll just sit there sagely and greet customers. Santa doesn't want that. I mean, who would? And just imagine how crooked he's walking with three arms on one side of his body and only two on the other. Maybe he'll grow another tonight. Wouldn't it be awful if he grew too? Oh, streams of jet blue, holy fire with sunset shades circling behind. Voices in every language. Santa with thousands of arms, always one more on the left side of his body. Everyone coughing up blood, wormwood and mugwort. The human heart, a bear and a freezing poison stream watching fish float by belly up. Harry's bar left empty with tumblers full of orb weaver spiders on every table, ready for a swallow of pathogenic blood to give them one glorious glimpse of 
of the victorious plague swimming in the tributaries of the circulatory system. Santa filling five glasses full of Michelob light at once with his nimble, dexterous, extra appendages. Harry let the man sleep in. Santa is good for business. Santa studies his face in the mirror and vomits antifreeze green vial in the bathroom sink. Santa collapses again. He's been doing that a lot lately. Oh, long-suffering Mrs. Claus, painfully faithful. To have the plague nestling in your cell walls, but not to be able to die. To collapse several times a day with the elves and the reindeer looking on. Rudolph's anthropomorphic look of concern is palpable, and he asks in his inexplicable quaking falsetto southern drawl, Mrs. Claus, what's wrong with Shanna? And what to tell that simple-hearted talking reindeer? That he likes his schnapps a little too much? That he falls asleep with food and mouse shit in his beard? That his aching, restless heart longs to look in the mirror and vomit and collapse? That although he is deathless, he has an incurable fatal disease? that we can carry within our own body an incomparable host defense system and an adaptive, malignant microorganism is the biggest Christmas miracle of them all, in Santa's professional opinion. The endless techniques our species has developed to give each other pleasure and pain. One plant transports you to, to some divine, mysterious realm beyond the reaches of the cosmos. Another paralyzes your vital organs, and underneath it all, where even the most sophisticated microscopes fail to observe, viruses are mutating and developing new cunning ways to rid this blazing blue-green garden planet of the parasitic human organism. Of a sudden, half a dozen wild, riderless horses stampede into Santa's cozy hut. They crowd in, smashing all the carefully collected baubles and trinkets to smithereens. Mrs. Claus stands stoic and immobile in the tiny kitchen while the herd of horses snort and deliver powerful kicks from their haunches, knocking holes in the walls so the north wind can ravage the cabin with its savage, unyielding cold. Santa is collapsed, missing the best part of this story, white tank top covered in emerald-colored vomit. Rise from your feverish slumber, O oh Santa. Nobody should miss the world falling down around their ears. Chevy Chase has just snorted 180 milligrams of yellow coke. 
the kind that smells like kerosene. Several hours earlier, he took one and a half grams of an experimental Russian anxiolytic that the space program gave to their astronauts. He is on the set of Three Amigos in his trailer, and he is wearing a Santa Claus suit, but he just can't remember why for the life of him. Santa isn't perfect, but mixing sedatives and stimulants, come on, Chevy, you're a rookie. Just admit it. Oh boy, now we're all in for it. Santa stumbles onto the faux desert set and asks a stunned Martin Short where Chevy's trailer is. Martin stammers out a half-hearted joke that I won't bother repeating. Save your little vaudeville song and dance routine for the saps whose lives are so small and sad that they'll go to desperate lengths to laugh so that they can hold back their bitter, grievous tears if only for an hour and a half or so. Martin feebly points toward a weather-beaten trailer in a dimly lit enclave. Chevy is shivering, breathing shallow, panicked breaths, and is soaked to the bone in sweat. Let me tell you something, you bloated, crazed, funny man. There is a fox loose in the hen house, and I am that fox. I am also the hen. I am also the house. I am also the unseen hand that unlatches the lock and lets the fox sneak in. I am the carnage and the gore. I am the eternal hunger of the fox. I am the atavistic, paralyzing fear of the hen. I am the unhatched egg. How far back can you remember, Chevy? You are one step removed from the man lost in the desert, desperately trying to build a fire before the unforgiving, never-ending moonless night tumbles down from the heavens. You are starving to death, and there is a crudely skinned desert sidewinder snake in your satchel. You've got to build that fire, Chevy. But don't worry, because Santa Claus is coming to town. I know what the polar ice caps are, and so does Santa. They are the wren's sorrowful song, saying, Once I need you, twice I need you, and the third time, Do you need me? And there's never an answer to that last line. Or I'll concede that maybe they are a blue jay fanning out its tail feathers before it shits on the young boy waiting on the school bus. Whatever we deeply desire is the yeast that turns the wine into vinegar, we finally discover. Santa in his underwear in the snow and the pitch black night, and in that darkness we can finally see why every painting of Jesus has Judas standing nearby. The cold doesn't bother Santa, neither does the darkness, and the snow sneaking into his underwear is the greedy soul sharpening its teeth so it can make a meal of our twin brother. Santa has been attacked by a starving polar bear, lacerations covering the length of his body, torn clothing. The polar bear fainted from the exhaustion of hunger before he could finish the job. It's just Santa and his steaming blood and the dying polar bear and Mr. North Wind himself on the endless frozen tundra tonight. Even the moon and the sky had enough sense to hide behind the clouds. 
Santa isn't worried. He knows that Mrs. Claus will round up some elves, and they'll march out into the dark night led on by the airport beacon on the end of Rudolph's snout. He's just trying to stay conscious so that he can hear their cries. An arctic fox approaches cautiously sniffing the frozen air. He licks Santa's wounds, blood staining the fur around his mouth. Santa is too tired to brush him away and resigns himself to the sandpaper tongue lapping up his gushing immortal blood. Of a sudden, the fox lets out a cry, doubles over, and begins convulsing. The moon untangles from the clouds, and Santa can see a half a dozen rats chewing their way out of the fox's intestines, bowels spilling out into the snow. Santa, to be honest, I think it's going to be a long night. Before human beings had armed themselves with the weapon of conceptualized linear time, the sun grew arms and legs and walked purposelessly through a garden where mammoth feline creatures with the long, wobbling necks of hissing serpents grew in endless rows, remaining tethered to the ground and shriveling and perishing from lack of rain. The sun gnawing on the bleached white bones of the human animal, dissolving flesh by virtue of its proximity. The heart of the macrocosm, the sphere of equilibrium, the imperishable, restless spirit, master of the lodge. Santa squatting in the desert, digging a mass grave for the gnarled, scattered bones. 
What the sun cannot digest, it purifies. And all of us are taking a little Saturnalian sweat bath for the next few lifetimes. The oyster, the bee, the silkworm, and the flax plant. Santa and the wandering sun sitting together in the pool of the evening. Trees are on fire and dried wheat is burning all around them. Santa says to the insatiable sojourning sun, only half a dozen beings burdened with the weight of consciousness have survived your appetite. Crawl over here, crawl along the length of my back, float down the stream of my piss like a palm frond in a mile-wide crawling river. Coil around my thighs while I stand eternally triumphant on the wings of birds who have the tongues and eyes and sneering lips of young girls whose entire family has died. Do all of this or climb back into the vaulted, varnishless cosmos. Spit out the venom that you've been drinking from the glands of serpents. The sun begins reeling, falls backward into the flaming wheat, gives birth to a small city, grows the genitals of a man and woman simultaneously, heart throbbing with love and tenderness. The fire consumes the sun's legs. The sun reaches up toward the solar ladder and drags itself up rung by rung into the whirling, whirring universe. What can I tell you? Santa saves the day. Santa waking up in the land of milk and honey only to realize he's been there all along. Santa loving his neighbors, the elves, at least as much as he loves himself, which isn't all that much, but you never know when the barren heart will be flooded by the red gold oil of unearned grace that hides in the roots of the elder tree. Santa running down the icy, empty streets of the North Pole, crying out, I love you, you old building and loan. And even though the North Pole doesn't have a building and loan, I think anyone whose heart has been flooded by a surge of unexpected hope knows what that crazed old life drunk buzzard is bellowing about. Year by year, our lives the same death and resurrection, needing a fresh dose of salvation every moment. Every morning, new stars being born outside our windows. The work of creation is never done. Birth and death just reflex, ending and the impossibility of ending. Oh, cry out into the lonesome corners of our little broken heart, Santa. Tell us how the unseen worlds work. Tell us how even warped 
frustrated old spiders like Mr. Potter can get a glimpse of something beyond his own private little meanness when the cleaning woman brushes by wearing the same perfume that the girl who put her hand on his thigh when he was 19 wore. Terrified and full of terrible, torturous, shameless, eternal love. Santa pulls the affable, anthropomorphic, drawling Rudolph so close to him that he can see the lines of still wet mucus steaming down the fine hairs of his upper lip and proclaiming with abiding faithfulness, affection is the cure for the plague. And even if Zach Coons is standing in the middle of the street in Cleveland, Ohio, screaming, kill me, murderer, and the immense unfairness feeling savagery built into the core of the world sharpens its knives in the kitchen. The spell affection weaves of meritless mercy tames the cruelty for another night. Santa rings a little dinner bell and an angel gets its wings. Santa slowly undoes the buttons on his robe and carefully drapes it over his bedpost. He looks in the mirror, clutching shears in his trembling right hand. Off comes the beard. The mustache is here to stay, Jack. He says his goodbyes to the elves and to the reindeer. Deliberate, tender farewells. I know you've seen a grown man cry. Well, it looked exactly like that. Santa and his blushing bride climb into the sleigh. Harness Rudolph cranes his neck ruefully and says in his cartoonish drawl, Where to, Shanna? Santa looks deep into those eyes made crystalline with tears and says, Rudolph, I'm a longhorn now. I'm going to rustle some cattle and see what those learned men in the universities have to teach me. Maybe I'll even learn to sing a few bars of the Yellow Rose of Texas. Who's to say? Rudolph's trot turns into a gallop that turns into a takeoff, and it's Texas, here we come. Santa jumps through some hoops, legally changes his name to Rick Weaver, graduates from UT Austin with the highest honors, I might add, and as a happy man by all accounts. He hired a crack ghostwriter to add some oohs and some ahs to his account of when he grappled with and overcame a plague that would have turned all our insides to mush. Tenderness and affection is the only thing that can conquer a plague, my friends, and they're the only things that are going to save our species. Ghostwriter's name is Zach Coons, and guess what? I'm also the narrator of this album. How's that for a twist? And now you've listened to this whole album. Rick is walking by the San Antonio River with Mrs. Claus, whose name is now Nikki, and his dog Peanut. The sun dives slowly into the river, and it's a cool night in Texas. 
Rick and Nikki were smart enough to bring lightweight jackets along, and I have a feeling Peanut is going to be A-OK. And just like that, this album is over. And Santa says, Amen. for Pedro show that's it it's, was that a ride people was that a ride that was a ride I'll, I'm gonna get, uh, give you all the parts introduction to the transmogrification of Mr. Claus it's all by Coons and Weaver understand uh, Santa locates a bubonic plague in the deathless body then Santa is dancing to calypso music while blackout drums that would, I don't know how the fuck you do that, but Santa gambles his cares away in the casino in Columbus, Ohio. Well, I know how you do that. Santa grows three <laughs> arms, giving him an odd number of arms. Yeah, a, a priori. And Santa's cabin is invaded by riderless stallions. 
Santa rips Chevy Chase a new one. They, fucking, that's happening. <laughs> Santa knows why the polar ice caps are melting. Santa dissuades an anthropomorphic sun from wiping out the human race. Grazie. Santa teaches the plague a thing or two about mercy. Santa change his, changes his name to Rick Weaver, graduates from a prestigious university, and is on his way straight to the top with his buddy Zach Coons after he records this very album. And what better way to end a piece with a fucking summation like that, huh? Yeah, I think that's that, that prophetic part you were talking about there. Right. <laughs> yeah, when you when you when you became yourself, Rick. <laughs> before you were Santa Claus and now you became yourself and graduated from San Antonio University. <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad that through your words I was able to get back to my old self. <laughs> there was this weird uh opera I think they're called Ge- Genesis, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. You know about this where the guy finally figures out that his brother is actually him. I didn't actually know that that was the story. I've, I've listened to the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. I didn't actually know that was a story, though. I can't I can't understand Peter Gabriel's lyrics. Yeah, I've probably listened to that about that album about a thousand times, but never been able to follow the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's kind of a Puerto Rican guy in New York City, right? Rail. But, grand parade of and he's got his back. brother John. I mean, this guy gets castrated. He goes the whole nine yards, right, to figure out that his brother is him. <laughs> or maybe wow. there's there's even a more basic understanding because he goes, "It is chicken, it is eggs, it is in between your legs." <laughs> <laughs> this is all news to me. I, I, I probably listened to that album a thousand times too. I've never put that together. Well, you know, you know that it was put together weird. If we're going to talk nuts and bolts on getting something together, the words came way after, and then the band got pissed off because they said he sang because he wasn't with them and he did it way after the fact. I think another country even. That uh, yeah, they didn't, it kind of splits the band up. They said he sang in all the parts where it's supposed to be instrumental. <laughs> and then he was then... Instru- but, you know, he had kind of an anti-Mohawk at that time. Maybe he was just in a contrary mode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was a teenager. It was like in the, what, 73, 74, or something like that. And uh, But it was uh, inter- just the idea of making a big story that can't fit in a song. I was introduced to this actually not by those guys. There was something on Happy Jack called A Quick One Ways Away by The Who. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that really inspired me to do operas. It wasn't Tommy or Quadrophenia, really. It was A Quick One Ways Away. The idea where you got so much you can't fit into a short song, so you got to make a, a big thing made out of many parts. Now... Zach, when you wrote the story, were you thinking music? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I wrote it with Rick in mind. We, we, had, we were talking about doing some, I mean, he and I have collabed. We had already made like four, maybe three or four albums before then. And we had been talking about collaborating. I think maybe, maybe before I t- started talking with Rick about it, I had written the, uh, the, the first one. The first one like, came to me in a fever dream. Uh, cause I was living in this, <laughs> I was, I was living in this 
uh, house that didn't have heat in in uh, rural Kentucky, and I actually woke up with mouse shit in my bed. I didn't. Mm. Ha- it wasn't because I had uh, <laughs> I had crumbs of food in my beard, but then I thought, well, what's what's causing this? Why why am I getting? Why am I waking up with mouse shit in my bed? And then I don't know how it. I don't know how that translated to a story, a story about Santa Claus. But then I, I had that written, though. I, I already had that part written. I think before I started, I think I sent that to Rick first, and I was maybe that one, and maybe the one about uh, Lord Invader, the, the Calypso one. Maybe I had those first two written. <clears throat> well, you know the idea, Rick. the idea of mystery. Obviously, there's mystery behind Santa Claus and his little journey here, and then there's the mystery of the rat turds. Yeah, maybe that's the parallel universes that are rubbing rubbing up on each other. (laughs) Yeah, you. (laughs) Now I gotta tell the listeners, you know, if uh, if, if we played the fucking uh, Cincinnati Reds in nineteen ninety, that was an earlier collaboration by you guys, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the nineteen ninety Cincinnati Reds would have been after the Santa Claus album. Oh, really? Those little, okay. Mm-hmm. Those are little boys of summer one, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. We we wrote. Uh, I think I, I I wrote or I I was finishing up the nineteen ninety Cincinnati Reds as Rick was finishing up the music for the transmogrifi- transmogrification of uh, Mr. Claus. Okay. Okay. So, that one, that one came first, and then the 1997 Snyder Reds. That, that would have been our second so, one of last year. Yeah, so actually this piece here informed that piece. In a way, In yeah. a way, as far as you guys working together. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Mr. Claus one is definitely sort of the, uh, the, the beginning of the formulaic thing we've been doing the last year. Um, before we were, what well, we were doing, just uh, going to the Bonehead Boneyard and uh, uh, just uh, howling, howling acapella Christmas carols and stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we advertised, uh, we, we, we have an album where we advertised this uh, this product we called Banana Ham. So Rick, uh, yeah. I guess that, that would have been almost the start of what we what we ultimately ended up doing. We made up this 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 fake product called Banana Ham and we did nine commercials for this product uh, where Rick did the music and I did overdubs and sometimes some little bit of music over top of it. But I think I would say, what do you think, Rick? I'd say that was like kind of the beginning of what. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true though. Uh, The sales thing. Yeah. We were really (laughs) on to something then. And I think we've strayed away from, from, from that. I mean, banana was just a great idea. And there are a lot of follow-ups. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. But uh, uh, banana ham. Are we talking some kind of food product? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Straight, straight, pretty much what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> brought straight to your home. Yeah, banana ham. I think yeah. we rebranded it as a, as, a, as a holiday gift guide. So <laughs> we could ship them out. Um, there's, you know... You could do lots of things with banana or ham, but um, banana ham works is the, for me. Is the creative flow one way? Like, does the story come from Zach, and then you you start visualizing it musically, Rick? Or do you this like? La- or do you, does it go back and forth? Is there a dyna- a dynamic dynamic? You know, back and forth. 
Dynamahan. Yeah, Dynamahan. <laughs> Dynamism. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm an asshole. Man, it's been, uh, it's been pretty much different every time, I'd say. Right, Zach? Am I yeah, I think so. That? I'd say I'll send Rick a few. He'll start getting music together. And I'll start hearing some music before I have it finished. So that, I, but I, Rick's right. It's 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 different every time. I think. And we, I think what about the way you give him the confused. story? Do you give him the story written down, or do you give it with the uh, you recording your voice? Me recording my voice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Rick, you're never just looking at words. You're actually so you're hearing the way that Zach's phrasing and shit. So do you use that to help you with the rhythms and? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. I guess actually, uh, the the two in question on, on the day, um, yeah, Zach, uh, maybe two a.m. or whatever, just started sending me cell phone recordings of these, uh, or the recordings via text message. And uh, uh, for for Mister Claus, I think there might have been a few uh, just things sitting around, but it's pretty much been um, uh, directly uh, like plug in plug in the voice mess with that a bit first and then start the music so yeah instead with the with the two in question today yeah definitely like in, in almost entirely 100 percent words first music second words are like the the uh the informer it's the the uh, the rebar yeah yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. but because you know I'm, I'm always interested in that kind of thing a lot of people words are last but i think with collaborations like this especially over distances it makes a lot of sense for the words well we're we're really big into the uh uh frank sinatra nelson riddle uh combo there um so and i think that 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 that's that kind of music that's really the orchestration just shaped around the voice so there's there's that's one of the factors that we're striving for i think um although i think that that I probably have buried Zach more than than I like sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's interesting. Who ends up mixing it? It's it's pretty much just been me once he gets me those recordings. At least with the you know with the, with the clause and the, and, and the and the uh, documentary and the baseball one. Right. Okay. Um, but we've done a different banana ham. Banana ham. I uh, just uh, that that was the exact opposite. Just to kind of uh, turn turn it around. Um, that was the music first, and then Zach just uh, uh, did some uh, advertisements for Axe and Blade Incorporated there on top of it. Well, you know what? On a future show, I got to play this banana ham. How many parts is it? Eight or nine. <laughs> so oh, it's nine. As, it's as big as these guys. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's about the, it's about half an hour, 30, 35 minutes, something like that, I'd say. Yeah, and there's a boardroom meeting on on the album as well. A boardroom meeting. <laughs> it was originally it was originally commissioned, uh we outsourced it, but um to Axe and Blade Industry or Incorporated, but uh ended up having to own it ourselves. Like an a cappella <laughs> deal. <laughs> Yeah, like, tried to cameo ourselves under different industry name, and it just didn't work because just too transparent for that. I think business fell apart. Business well, look, Peter Sellers did it. Uh, we're, we're talking about yeah, multiple roles, right, for the same piece. 
<laughs> and I, I guess Frank, who was it? I was talking to somebody about Wizard of Oz, Frank Morgan, right? He's a couple, he's the wizard and he's also the guy selling shit, <laughs> right? He drops yeah, down in the fucking balloon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'd say that, I'd say that pretty much sums us up. <laughs> okay. I'd say, I'd say Rick is both Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion and I'm both the Tin Man and... Uh, and the Wicked Witch of the East and well, the West. Well, this yeah, is another thing we discussed. You're also Dorothy, and yeah. <laughs> this was yeah, another I thing I, uh, I discussed with the that the books are different than the movie. In the movie, they think the farmhands are actually those fucking uh, Lion and Tin Man and Scarecrow. Right. It's like a it's like a dream. She she gets like knocked out. It's right, like, and, and in a way, she's right? having a coming of age. You know, I don't know. I get, think the main love interest is Toto, but look, we're at the end of the first hour here, uh, December 25, 2020 dish. What Pedro show special guest, Rick Weaver, Zach Coons, hold tight for hour two. December 25, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. <laughs>
one, two, three, four. Ain't exactly normal at the North Pole. The ice cap is melting as an ozone hole. The workshop's flooded, Frosty's wasting away. Be a puddle and some trash in a couple more days. And Mrs. Claus is desperate to try to save her home. She tried to raise FEMA on the telephone. Twelve days on hold, three reindeer died. FEMA sent a trailer with formaldehyde. Santa, get a job. Fire with the FAA. 
I have found It's Christmas time And everybody's gone to the North Pole To see Santa And I didn't get the memo And I feel like such a dunce But that explains why the streets are deserted And the TV channels and the radio stations Are nothing but static I just wonder what the reason has been For the rest of the past five months
lot from Pedro Show. Started the second hour off with some Xmas songs here. Silent Night from <laughs> Gareth Sager and the Christmas United Nations Thrust Society. And he's, he calls this an Xmush special. Well, it's just for this year, people. Johnny Mark in the Ricks with Santa Gets a Job. Or no, Santa Get a Job. It's a declarative. It's not an inner derogative. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, uh, yeah, Judge. This is this band had the late great Frankie Onway from the Suburban Lawns. A major stroke just killed him like that a couple of years ago. He's a beautiful guy. Well, that's why we want to get these projects in you. We don't know how much time we got, right? So we got to keep kicking like Cato. The Hellbeans with uh, four letter word hashtag Xmas. Uh, the Space Pony out of Ravenna, Italy with uh, L1XT. Which is a trippy title because he keeps singing about it's Christmas time, but somehow it's connected. You got to give the guy respect for uh, going, uh, singing in English, right? And Pat Ruthensmeer, right? A guitar man for the Germs on his uh, second solo record called Xmas Song. Earwig Deluxe with Home for Christmas. Uh, Bob Lee with his uh, Christmas Proj, where he likes to do. Yeah, hard rock songs and put, uh, you know, words about this time. So so this is Black Sabbath, uh, but uh, not Hole in the Sky, Sled in the Sky. And then finally, Alice Bag with Christmas is Just Another Day, which is uh, for her buddy who had to spend uh, Christmas in prison. Uh, so I thought this was all relevant. But now what we're going to do is this documentary, this this don't have anything to do with Christmas, right, guys? I think it has something to do with the spirit of Christmas. It's okay, got, okay. It, it, it's got that, um, it, as opposed, I say, I would say as opposed to this, the transmogrification of Mr. a lot more uh, wholesome and joyous and tender and, and warm. So uh, while not, while not being a, a Christmas album in in name or maybe not even in subject, in at in in spirit, I think it kind of is a Christmas album. I look at it that way. Like Rick calls it the documentary. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the yeah. actually the nineteen ninety Reds is kind of a documentary, right? Yeah, they all they are they're all closer probably to they're all probably closer to radio plays than they are. I think we're moving more and more and more in that direction, but they're probably all closer to radio plays than they are uh, quote unquote albums. I'd, I'd say at this point. Uh, are either you guys familiar with ZBS Media? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, actually you turned me on to that from uh, upstate September. New York, right in the early seventies. Yeah. Meet Paul Fulton, and they, he called them mind movies. And they would go to a location and record a ambient sounds and then come home and make a story around them sounds. Make <laughs> yeah, that a trip. But anyway, uh, this piece here, what, what, what's the title of it? Because I, again, I got like, you know, seven different parts, but. <laughs> the title, uh, the official Is it title Eros is, in the Natural World? That's the, yeah, that's the, it's, it's the first part of probably several different nature faux nature documentaries that I think are planned right now. But yeah, the, part one is called Eros in the natural world. Yeah. And Eros, the, the God of love, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's listen, people. It, this is the this is the debut, right? That's right. Yeah. This is it. That's that's fresh out of the box, right there. Okay, people, get all wet with it. I firmly believe, my very good friends, that today is a new day. I genuinely believe that today is a new day. I sincerely believe that today is a new day. I honestly believe that today is a new day. I strongly believe I strongly believe that life is a miracle. I firmly believe, my very good friend, that today is a new day. Hello there, my very dear friends and fellow intrepid voyagers. My name is Zach for the foreseeable future, I am going to be your host and guide as we travel together through an entirely new world. On this journey, we will brave encounters with wild, savage creatures who bare their teeth and bristle their fur. We will encounter the natives of the dark continents inside ourselves who live lives that startle us with beauty and who speak dazzling new languages. And most importantly, we will begin to see the realities that we've convinced ourselves of as illusory and so discover that life stripped of concepts is playful, creative, vital, meaningful, and throbbing with joy and ecstasy. I'm very excited to accompany you, my friends, so let's make haste to begin our travels. sensual feminine curves 
to the long, thin, biting teeth of the dusky petals, we can surely admire a living creature crafted by the unerring hands of divinity. Because it so longingly and lovingly arches toward the bluest summer skies, it is often called Himero's Attendant by lovesick teenagers overwhelmed by the first blooming flush of desire creeping into their trembling, vulnerable hearts. And where does this exquisite wildflower call its home? Clothed in the impenetrable darkness of a grotto in the woods somewhere? On the curving shoreline of a solitary river winding its way toward the sea? No, sir. The astridius climbs toward the heavens in the disturbed soil of waste grounds. Firebirds, railroad shoulders, vacant lots, and roadsides are where this delicate creature germinates. We can learn a lot from where the astridius chooses to reside, I think. We do well to not judge anything or any place, ugly or unseemly, in this world, my friends. We can never know what ingredients are necessary to nourish the tender seed that sprouts to become a graceful, finite expression of infinity. suggests in the Gospel of Thomas, what does this lovely ritual tell us about how to approach our own sexuality, I wonder?
so-called inorganic life experience pleasure? What a wild question, huh, friends? It sometimes seems to me that all matter is divinity's way of experiencing the wordless beauty of its own essence. And if all matter is composed of divinity, which it certainly seems to be, then it stands to reason that all matter can know its own loveliness. Let's examine together a specific member of the quartz family called cantharitic quartz. Now, as I'm sure you know, a cantharidin is the active chemical substance in cantharides, a scientific name for what is commonly referred to as Spanish fly. As we examine the properties of this playful little mineral closer, we can surely see how it got its aphrodisiacal moniker. Firstly, to studying the smooth, curved, conchoidal fracture and otherworldly light yellow U, we can already tell we're dealing with a very esoteric beast. The gravity is also very unusual for quartz, whose general density is between two and a half and three on scale with other minerals. Cantharitic quartz is remarkably light, averaging between 1.4 and 1.7 making it nearly as light, or in some cases lighter, than borax. When we begin examining its chemical properties even closer, we get to the really fascinating facets of this mineral. The compound that it's composed of is remarkably similar to the steroid sexual hormones that human beings manufacture in the glands of the endocrine system and gives the appearance of being very much alive when observed closely by trained specialists. There are a number of tales in ancient erotic handbooks about young men putting the cantharitic quartz in their mouths and keeping it in during their first sexual experience. It was thought that this would align them with the purpose of the experience and banish their fears of impotence or clumsiness. Considering the high concentration of androgen-like material, this seems to be less a silly superstition by backwards archaic civilizations and more a highly intelligent ritual enacted by a people who were very sensitive and attuned to the natural rhythms and processes of our Earth. So let's return to the original question, shall we? Can a mineral experience ecstasy? Thomas Aquinas says aptly, Every love causes ecstasy. To suffer ecstasy means to be placed outside oneself. This suggests that the mineral which is partially responsible for the ecstasy in the amorous youths must experience at least a rudimentary ecstasy itself, because in giving forth freely of what it has been endowed with, it transcends itself. The principle is much the same, I find, with the human phenomenon. When we are absolutely open and liberally dispense our remarkable gifts to others, our very state of consciousness shifts from scarcity to abundance and ecstasy becomes our common state.
get our hands a little dirty, shall we? Let's dig in the rich, fertile earth to discover the roots of a very remarkable creature. Because to truly know a being requires an insatiable curiosity about their hidden, thirsting core that works tirelessly in silence to draw nourishment from an unknown source. The creature we'll investigate today has sensationally unique properties as it bridges the gap between the animal and vegetable kingdoms. Meet the Karana Lizard. At first glance, it is not radically distinct from other lizards. The beady, equal-sized scales, four stubby legs, and their egg-laying reproduction method all tie them quite neatly into their species type. What makes them so singular is that their tail is rooted in the earth and they draw their sustenance from the soil. What this means for this wondrous critter is that once it has chosen its base, it must stay there for the rest of its life. Let's investigate this process a little further. Firstly, the Karana lizards, like many divine beings from age-old myths, reproduce by parthenogenesis, i.e. virgin birth. In a myth orally circulated amongst Pawnee Indian tribes, the storyteller speculated that a beast who made its home entirely underground was sent by the great father in the sky to inseminate the Karana. Beast carried out the celestial instructions to ensure the continuity of the species because all creatures on the face of the earth or under it have a great destiny to fulfill, the Great Father explained. The Karana lizards are all born female, the only reptile to display this feature. The mother lays an egg and guards it with an eternal wakefulness until her daughter emerges by softly chewing through the membrane of the egg and crawls out into this material world. With no ceremony and no apparent deliberation, the tiny Karana daughter leaves her mother immediately and ventures out in search of a place to bury her tiny tail. This hunt usually lasts three to four weeks, and a really astounding fact is that the Karana is absolutely sightless and doesn't start developing her sight until she finds the hospitable spot to sink her tail into the ground. The Karana doesn't consume the flesh of insects, plants, or other animals, and so where this creature derives her nourishment from is an absolute mystery that baffles even the experts. Once she discovers the place that she will make her earthly abode, she burrows her scaly, corkscrewed tail into the ground. The expression on her face must mirror the adept as they achieve a state of samadhi. So serene and blissful she becomes as she merges with the earth. What do we have to learn from the Karana, friends? Is there some secret root organ in all of us that knows, like the Karana knows, where to draw the life-giving nectar from the invisible and changeless world beyond the world?
cosmos is shivering with joy. It's our inheritance. You were made for joy, my friends. Illusion and conditioning are the fallen trees obscuring our path. The names of things. What must stay concealed when we name? Delight. Delight celebrates the shuddering beauty of everything that is. Delight revels in exaltation. Delight does not need to possess or harness or profit or name. Delight is our true estate. I want to introduce you to a new expression of life. There is no name for this. It has no features. It does not belong to the animal, vegetable, or mineral kingdom. There are no available concepts for you to attach to this being. It was created just this moment, and it is dripping with the freshness of a newborn universe. I invite you to admire this being with me, to delight in its incomprehensible symmetry. Always new lands to explore, new languages to be spoken to express the inexpressible. Silence seems to be the closest approximate, so I'll grow as quiet as an old growth forest, and we can wonder together, transfixed in wordless reverie.
mystic Nicholas of Cusa had this to say about the nature of our interaction with reality. It is therefore clear that all we know of truth is that the absolute truth as it is, is beyond our grasp. The more mindfully we learn this lesson of ignorance, the closer we draw the truth itself. The profundity of this maxim liberates us from seeing the miraculous phenomena of our world as facts and figures to be measured on diagrams by how much pleasure or use they provide us. It allows us, as William Blake puts it, to see heaven in a wildflower and eternity in a grain of sand. My very dear friends, as we part today, let's resolve to allow everything we experience a freshness, as though it has just been created and you are the one discovering it, because you are, and everything is in flux in a continual state of newness. Let's agree to be curious and playful and see the spark of divinity that all living creatures possess. Thank you for allowing us into your homes and hearts and minds. We look forward to experimenting by your side again. Until then, may you thrive and
Scott from Peter Show. That was it. Eros in the Natural World, people. And the name of the seven parts, the New Earth theme song, and the introduction to Eros in the Natural World, Coons and Weaver. Phalanx Astridius. Uh, chlor- Chlorvoron Ligamus. We got some Latin here. <laughs> okay. Car- car- carthetic. Cathartic, cartharitic, that's it, cartharitic quartz, the Karana lizard, delight, hey, I got that one, and then finally, outro to Eros in the natural world, Coons and Weaver. Okay, the big difference, well, obviously the subject matter, but in a way, you say they're similar, they're, they're like documentaries, right? I think so, yeah. Now, this one, de- th- this one was just <clears throat> recently done, right? Just finished. So, so for sure, the Santa Claus and the Reds one informed on this guy. But yeah, okay. But, but was it the same st- uh, dealio, Rick? Did you get these fucking phone messages, uh, memos, recorded voice yeah. memos? Okay. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, 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 my wife was to, had just delivered uh, our daughter uh, when Zach was sending these files over. So I was in the hospital at the time. Um, with Zach's voice coming through. <laughs> you were uh, waiting in the waiting about, room. Singing about the Corona lizard. <laughs> you were waiting in the waiting room. Yep, yep, definitely. And pacing and doing some, uh, yeah, ring around the rosy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, uh, and a week later he's like, "What are they? How's it? How's that going? You got them yet?" No, I know I, I made that up. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, sometimes I feel like Zach pumps his stuff out so fast that uh, uh, the turnaround. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm like the the, the slug on frog on the log there. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> explain yourself, Zach. Is it just like? Uh... You know, what do you call this when the mind just flows? Stream of thought? Stream of conscious? <laughs> Something like that. It's like I always have these themes in mind. Every album, I ever do, every album I ever do, be it with Rick or Solo or with any other project, is always in my mind there's a theme. There's something that I want to say, and I can't. I can never say it in one song. It has to be, it has to be these series of songs that are a summation of this broader thing or maybe the series of broader things that i'm trying to i'm trying to articulate and usually failing to articulate um and uh yeah so it all it all comes from usually two or three bigger ideas and finding a way to finding a way to put those into a theme where i try and get everything said that i want to i want to say i never i've never succeeded yet and that's why Maybe that's why I work so much because <laughs> I, I never feel like I succeed at all. So I, I just keep on working away. I mean, I usually write anywhere between four to six hours every single day. So <clears throat> you think Rick ends think, up kind of the editor man? Uh, I mean, you want to give him more than you need? <laughs> no, he always uses he always uses every single thing I, I I I edit I would say I edit all the text and then uh, no I, Rick Rick doesn't edit any of the text not that I know of I don't I don't think you are Rick. <laughs> what, what, you mean what you're saying nothing ends up on the deck 
Yeah, I would say that the last the last three things, like really, uh, neither one of us has uh, put any tried to affect any side of the other, right? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, you just pretty much gave me the words, and I pretty much sent you the music, and that was that. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly how it is. I think maybe the one difference in this one between the other two is that I did record the theme song myself on this one. So the the I guess part of the intro the only difference between the other two albums is part of the intro on this one. I, I did I did record and sing and play all the instruments on the little theme song that comes into it, right? Or did you add some I don't think you had anything to that, Rick. No, I didn't add anything to it and uh, I guess now I can't take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Man, it seems pretty fucking whole to me. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, December 25, 2020, Dish Watt Pedro Show. Special guest Rick Weaver, Zach Coons. Hold tight for hour three. December 25, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
lost my temper when I got my bonus. Bonus? How did you get a bonus? I cut out bonuses this year. Yeah, thanks for telling us. 17 years with the company. You don't want to give bonuses, fine. But when people count on them as part of their salary, oh, what you did is just plain sucks. Thank you, Russ. Mama, me, me, 99 cents of a cheeseburger. Or something, or we will go hungry today. We only have some water and some mayonnaise. We do not even have one heart boiled
Watch from Pedro Show. We started the third hour with Moldoman from Baltimore with Come All Ye Faithful. These are all versions, right, of traditional things. Crane with uh, Christmas time once again. Now, I think his is a ridge. Healers. Okay, this is Jamie in Illinois. Almost Indiana, right on the border. Uh, Grinch, welcome Xmas, trim up the tree. He's got a one-man band called Healers, and he did a bunch of treatments of some traditional. Poor Christmas, Deck the Halls, Silver Bells, Good King Wenceslas, finally Frosty the Snowman. Okay, do you guys got another big piece in the cooker? Yeah, actually, Rick, do you want to talk about it? I've been, I've been blabbering away. I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let Rick explain it. Well, I'm glad to hear uh, you blabber, and I'm glad to blabber myself, too, so I guess I'll blabber. Yeah, uh, correct me if I miss anything. Uh, I guess the, I'll just, the, ne- the next one's, uh, yeah, the uh, U.S. government is uh, going to uh, maroon us to an island in the Gulf of California or somewhere of the like, uh, maybe Pacific or maybe hopefully Patagonia. I don't think we get a choice in the matter, so... Zach and I are going to be living the uh, exiled uh, island life on the next one um, with all the fun uh, flora and fauna and field recordings and all that. Um, so that's that's that one. Eventually what you got the, uh, the, the sort of one we've been working towards a little bit is uh, uh, it's called Check, Please, which uh, is finds us in a diner. Asking for the check, I guess that's sort of the, actually the, the, the starting point of that. <laughs> but but you know you know more about that one than I do. Um, God, what else? Uh, Skydiving Academy uh, with Mothcock, Hopefully, I mean I, maybe that's just like something that we just. I hope that is a, is a reality. The Skydiving Academy. <laughs> that's something and, I can't do because of my knee situation. But I would love yeah, to hear, well, the, yeah, I'd love to hear a piece build around it. Definitely, yeah, I'm definitely not going to skydive for the sake of the album. I'll just <laughs> pretend to have done it. <laughs> so, well, it seems like the fucking M.O. for the other ones was the big piece comes from Zach. But these guys are different. You like are working out conceptually ahead of time? I, I'd say that check, please, is kind of in your hands, Zach, right? I mean, yeah. I'll, I, we came up with the catch, we 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 came up with the catchphrase together, and we used it, uh, 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 you know, in a diner once or twice, in a Denny's maybe. Um, but but you but you kind of got the meat and potatoes on that one. Yeah, I'll be writing closer. It, that one will be far closer to a to a radio play. We'll have we'll have a bunch of different parts. Hopefully, one for you in there as well, uh, Mike. If we can talk, I'm to ready. You uh, no, you got you've talked me into it. I, I'm. You want me to, like, uh, I got to sell some flowers, right? <laughs> well, something, something, uh, something uh, kind of commercial where you want me involved with uh, a floral thing, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that'll actually be for, uh, that'll be one of the commercials for the album that you just played. That'll be one of the commercials for uh, Heroes in the Natural World. Oh, okay, okay. Jesus Christ. Well, I I, 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 I I fucked that up. So I'm actually going to be part of that other one. I know you asked me to be, and, and I'm there for you, man. You know, I'm, uh, you know, like a bass player. If you got nothing to stick to, you're just a puddle. So wherever you need me, I'm, I'm there, it's, especially if it's some kind of spiel. I'm going to pl- let's play the last music for this edition. 
good idea. Building a belief structure on it. You're saying having beliefs is a bad thing. I just think it's better to have ideas. I mean, you can change an idea. Changing a belief is trickier. People die. From Pedro Show last, <laughs> last music for this edition, we had the Healers, Jamie doing uh, "It's a Marshmallow World in the Winter," but not Pedro. Fuck, you can kayak, right? Seventy degrees today. Uh, Jelly B, uh, Jingle Bells from Jamie's. This is his, the only thing where he ain't playing. He's got a buddy with guitar with him on this one. Uh, Carol, of, somebody's doing some dishes. Uh, Carol of the Bells, uh, the little drummer boy, and then uh, something I'm part of is. I had to be part of this uh, Xenochronic AMM All Stars, and uh, it's it's got England slang and stuff, so it's like gibber gobber, but it's supposed to be about <laughs> Xmas, you know, whatever the fuck. And then finally, we wish you a merry Xmas, about from the healers, and and truly uh, from Watt and Pedro to all you, and uh, so on behalf of my guests, uh, well, good feelings, you know, right? We don't have to talk about how fucked up things are because, uh, yeah, we're living it. <laughs> but in the meantime, right, the lemonades come, so we're going to make fuck. I mean, the lemons come, so we're going to make some lemonade. And uh, where can people find out about you? Uh, uh, I know there's a the Cincinnati Reds has got a Bandcamp page. Uh, yeah, they're actually all on uh, everything we everything we released over the last let's say seven years is all on our band campaign. Okay. It includes the 1990 Cincinnati Reds, but also the transmogrification of Santa Claus. Banana uh, ham? Banana ham's on okay. there. Well, let's give them, give, uh, give them the URL of that band camp site. Uh, Rick, Rick, do you actually know? I, I, Rick, Rick runs it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's something missing from there, but, uh, oh, oh, Coons and Weaver. Dot yeah, so we got to spell that, yeah. people. K-O-U-N-S-A-N-D-W-E-A-V-E-R dot bandcamp dot cam. Uh, com. You go there, they got all this music, all this kind of, it's righteous shit. It's a uh, very happening rabbit hole to fucking tumble down into and get lost in. I love it. <laughs> and I love what you're doing. And it just, you know, there's so many people playing it, playing. You know what? Not why not? You know, genuinely play. Why do you have to play it playing? You know, what I mean, uh, uh, us humans get into these levels of you know jive that kind of yeah, kind of bums me out. But when you guys, I just I, I just love it. 
I, fa I fall into it. And it reminds me a little bit, like we were talking, Rick, with that ZBS media. And that's at ZB, uh, ZBS.org. When I was a young teenager, right, the early 70s, and I started hearing these mind movies, there's something about things that you take in through the ear, in the ear holes, and m try to make a sense of, versus things coming in through the eye holes. And uh, I don't know. Have you ever thought about visuals to go with these things? We actually do have a couple of <laughs> we, we do have a couple of pretty unusual videos that we've that we've filmed together over the years. We have one called uh, Bone uh, Bone Boneyard Boneheads Bone Bonehead Boneyard. <laughs> yeah, I, I I heard Rick mention that that you guys were howling in the Bonehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but you you got plans for animation for the nature doc, right? Isn't yeah. Like a long term goal. Okay, so it yeah, is going yeah, to get yeah. realized. Okay, that's great. One time I used that phrase. We were, I was with Jay Maskus helping him twenty years ago, and Fred, and we were in looking for Jim Morrison in Paris, right? And it was the wrong fucking boneyard. It was Montmartre. It wasn't Perche, right? That's one north and not the east one. So I said, man, it's the wrong boneyard, boneheads. And like the tour, the tour boss could never forget that. He had to say that fucking almost every week to me. So be careful what you fucking... But that's a weird parallel that I, I uh, identify with you guys. It was beautiful. When you get your next ones out, will you come back on the show and we can do the big reveal? I would love to. Yeah. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Please keep on keeping on. Such an honor. Thank okay. you so much, right Mike. Back. Right back. People, it's been December 25, 2020 edition of Pedro Show. Merry Xmas. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>